I'm Commander Shepard, and this is Casually Hardcore, my favorite podcast on the internet. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Panic, ladies and gentlemen, the casuals have taken control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore, live on Alpha Geek Radio, www.alphageekradio.com. For Sunday, what the hell is it, anyway? The 17th of February, 2013, this is Casually Hardcore. I'm Gnomewise. Oh, is this the that is that's my cue? That's your cue. Oh, I'm Octail. <laughs> you are the world. No, that's kind of yeah, re- no. We could do that. We can do that officially this time instead of reflexively. Yes. So, as you may have noticed, uh, joining me through the miracle of the interwebs is the one and only Octail von Dusselhorfen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ich gut. That's that's good. Seeing. As my co-hosts have all bagged on me for the day. <sighs> well, they are ca- they are casual after all. No, the ones that bag are the ones that, are the ones that when it's just the three of us, we always call ourselves hardcore. Oh, I see. Sadly, well, calling yourself hardcore and actually being hardcore is is two different things. What are you saying? I'm I'm saying I never let a hangover stop me from doing the show is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm only and had you been there on the last day of uh, Consumer Electronics Show 2011, you would have seen it in all of its glory. Sadly, I had the I was front loaded that year and missed apparently missed the fun. Ugh, it was messy. Never a dull moment. Yeah. All right, before we get too far afield here, let me hit us with the actual intro. Tangents a good idea. are kind of a big deal. And if you're joining us live, and you should be, in the IRC is our very own producer, nay IRC rep, the one and only Barry Von Awesome. Barry White, save my life. If you are in the IRC and wish to bring something to our attention, please do not PM the hosts directly during the show. You will be summarily ignored, because when we stare into the black void, the black void stares back. It's very scary. It is very scary and somewhat hairy. And mm-hmm. the aforementioned Barry VA will bring it to our attention. So send him all the PMs. Bother him. Pester him. Make him pay attention to something other than the show. Because that's how he rolls. It's the kind of little world he lives in. And in the tangent section, such as we are, Octail, what you yes. up to? I'm sorry. Say that again. How's your? And work? I'm getting really weird feedback. Are you trying? So to, are you trying to listen to the stream 
No. Whilst, uh... No, 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 no. It's uh, like coming the... back over the Skype, like Skype feedback. Doing the whole uh, old-school person calling into a radio station of, uh... Hello? Hello? Wow, Yeah, I'm wow. getting... Hey, hey. Getting the seven-second delay. Mm. Not exactly, but... But I'm getting something. <laughs> Probably me. Oh, that's much better. Whatever you did just then, that's very good. Oh, yes, it's very nice. Yes. I, I like told him. them we already got one. Jesus, I like him very much. Yes. All right. You know, help with curveball. Are you saying that Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> he no help with curveball. <laughs> I think Joe Boo ter- needs a refill. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible film. Yep, but a lot of fun. I mean, terrible film with lots of really fine one-liners. Yes, I very mean, true. It's just full to overflowing with uh, even the ones. I mean, that was that was the first film where I really noticed where there were there was content in the trailers for the film that never appeared in the movie. Uh. They had some one-liners yeah. about, you know, how a, a hit that had uh, gotten caught was, um, you know, well, that wouldn't have been out of some parks, you know. This is just a, oh, yeah, this yeah. Is a big house. So name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> and then when they did the sequel, they recycled the joke and actually put it in the movie. Ah, uh, okay. Because, you know, a sequel to that movie, you know, they, they were Maybe probably two. scratching for content just slightly. Uh, just a bit. And they made a third one. You're kidding me. Major League Three, Black, Back to the Miners. I'm assuming it went direct to video. Scott Bakula is the lead. Oh, God. Oh, it's good, though. Really? I, well, I mean, as good as a Major League film could be. Right? As good as Major League Three, Back to the Miners could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as good as it could be. And Bob Euchre is still doing the play-by-play, so right, you see, still I'll get tune, I'll tune in just for that. gold from him. <laughs> Nothing not to love there. Yeah, well, and the best part about those is apparently uh, they wrote in the script all of the play-by-play for Harry Doyle, right? Mm-hmm. And Euchre's looking at the play-by-play and said, no, we're not going to use any of this. Right. You tell me what's happening on the field, and I'm going to ad-lib it. Now, if you've ever heard Bob Euchre do actual play-by-play for the Milwaukee Brewers, um, that's his style. Yeah. And the best part about it is when he has a little bit too much to drink, when the drinking light in the, in the play-by-play booth is on, mm-hmm. he'll get into the fifth or sixth inning <laughs> and start telling these stories about people that he played with in the 60s. Oh, God. And they're just like, okay, that's random. I don't know what that has to do with the fact that the you know relief pitcher for the San Francisco Giants is getting shelled, like, a peanut at the moment, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, never a dull moment. And the no. uh, episode name has been chosen very early on by the IRC. Here, uh, we are yeah. casually Toddcore. That we are, we are indeed. I, I'm I'm willing to embrace that because the Todds have taken control of the airwaves. This yes. is casually Toddcore. Booyah, Grandma! Booyah! Booyah! All right, to get your brains. Uh, going on the call-in topic of the day for the fourth half of the show, when we get around to Nerds with Opinions, what technology 
or system that may once have been considered the domain of nerds has most changed your daily life in a positive or a negative way. So what thing that has become commonplace that used to be a kind of a weird, nerdy thing that people would screw with and now is totally mainstream and has perhaps reshaped the world, or at least reshaped your world, um, what springs to mind as the big thing that we used to be kind of looked at funny for? Why are you messing with that thing or whatever it is? And now everyone's like, hey, I've got my thing, and isn't it cool and hip and, and mainstream now? And everyone's got one, of course. <laughs> not that I'm bitter or anything. No, no, not at all. What? I'm sunshine and kittens and puppies. Uh, you, when I think of Gnomewise, I think of sunshine, kittens, and puppies. You're my one-stop shop. As well you should. And I think it's the, uh-huh. I think it's the pelt that does it, but... The pelt. Chicks dig the pelt. Quite. Don't underestimate the power Quite. of fur. Uh, not, no, I'm not touching it. Ook, ook. Why? <laughs> Am I supposed to answer this question now? We will, and we will give our answers at the beginning of... Uh, Nerds with opinions in the fourth. Oh, episode. thank, thank God! I've got an hour and a half to think of an answer. Yes, you do. I, 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 was, I was planting it in your brain as well as the listeners' brains. That's nah, not going to happen. For the listener, no time will have passed. <laughs> uh, yay, old gimmicks! Exactly. Everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. But thank you for being willing to uh, jump in here and save my bacon and not inflict a gnome-wise solo show onto the listening base because I'm not that cruel. I'm a sucker for saving Gnomewise's bacon. Bring it. Bring it on. You sure do have purred of bacon, Gnomewise. Squeal like a pig. Exactly. I love seeing an, an interview with Ned Beatty. Mm-hmm. And he recounted the conversation he had with the director of Deliverance saying, you know, I really don't want to do this scene. And the director promised him, you're not going to be known as the, as the squeal-like-a-pig guy. Come on. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> how more wrong could the man have been? Uh, has that guy ever directed a film again, ever? I don't know. <laughs> because you shouldn't. Like, you're not going to be known as the squeal-like-a-pig guy. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to be known as that guy. If anyone sees the movie, you know, who knows how popular it's going to be. But, yeah, you got a real pretty mouth. Mm-hmm. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <sighs> ah, so I had uh, entertaining week wrestling with the uh, versus the world servers. Mm. And I think things are pretty much the dust has settled. Uh, we are moved to our new super capacity GoDaddy. Unlimited bandwidth, unlimited storage servers of Doom. <laughs> and of course, just as Show, Show X was going on the air this morning, there was a brief server outage just to make a liar out of me. Of course. Aye. But it was, it was quickly rectified. Um, but if the uh, listeners, both live and podcast, when they are tootling around the site, could be on the lookout for any weirdness, uh, bugs, strangeness, stuff that didn't get migrated out of the ordinary and just send me a personal message on the forums. We did, at the same time, or shortly after migrating, upgrade to from version 1 to version 2 of Simple Machines forums. So you'll notice some differences and new features and um, just little tweaks because we're on a, a much newer and more modern version of the forum software. 
we pulled down the same theme, so the look and feel is, is roughly the same, and all the content is there. Uh, but if there's anything that is missing or out of the ordinary or strange, please do let me know uh, so that I can figure out what the heck I did wrong and get it rectified post-haste. Mm. Post-hasty? Post-hasty. Post-it note. Post I hope we're not communicating that way. Sneakernet? I hope, I hope that's not, I hope that's not, yes, sneakernet. Indeed. See, this is the beauty of, I mean, if we didn't have the interwebs, you know, this wouldn't exist. I mean, we, we would simply not be able to sit you down in Colorado and sit me down in Arizona and speak to the people of the world as they are listening and we know it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Indoctrinating them one at a time. <laughs> you will be assimilated. We are such a German uh, oh. Hey, speaking of Nazis, okay, okay. I'm actually glad All you right. brought that up. I am. I got a chance to watch most of a film called Iron Sky. Oh, God. I mean, that looked epic, and I started watching it, and I'm not, I couldn't get that far into it for a How, what's your impression? I mean, give, give people the background first. Okay, so basically the idea is in 1945, the... Nazi party in Germany tucked tail and ran not to America, not to South America, not to spread all over the world. They left for the far side of the moon. But of course. And they built a base on the, on the dark side of the moon by, under which they are trying to reestablish the Aryan nation on, on Earth as their ultimate goal. And a, the, the movie starts with an American lunar lander landing on the moon, discovering this base, one of the astronauts getting killed, and the other one, who happens to be African-American, gets captured. I bet you that goes over real well with the uh, Aryan nation. And I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. That's a, that's a decent premise. Um, they they had a real funny parody of Sarah Palin as president of the United States, oh, which God. I thought was pretty good. <laughs> they they lost me when they turned the black guy's face white. What? The and Nazis? they made a bunch of reverse race jokes based off of a black guy with a white face being in Harlem. Oh, and the, stuff. So, they, so they pigmentized him, and, and he wound up back on Earth. Yes, and they brought they took him back to Earth because he said he knew the president. Ah, so that was how they were going to reestablish their. Yeah, I'm, right up until that point, I'm like, okay, it's Nazis and that's fine, and it's Dark Side of the Moon and that's fine, Nazis and it's all really terrible '40s level space technology, and that's fine. I'll buy all of that. But when when you go from the when you go from that to the cheap, you know, jive talking white man talking to the homies playing basketball, that's where I kind of like I I'm getting off of this train. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll I'm be in the car. It. Yeah, pretty much. Excuse me, can I help you? Uh, I speak jive. <laughs> My mama didn't raise no dummy. I dug her rap. Tell no thing. That's one yes. of the, one of the best damn parts of airplane, mm-hmm. and airplane too. When he was uh, the jive talking man was being sworn in at the trial. Oh yeah. Said you hear, yeah. swear, to, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and that the thing. 
And he responds, and then he gives him, slaps him five with the Bible. Wham! <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just they just don't make films like like Airplane anymore. They sure don't. Where are they? Well, I, well, it's because nobody does anything creative anymore. True. Right? I mean, 3D IMAX Top Gun. Come on. <sighs> You're kidding me. Yeah. I hope you make that. No, th- I, seven days only. It was uh, last week. February 6th through February 13th. However, did IMAX I miss it? Top Gun. Because we so needed that. Resor- so, resources needed to be dedicated to that. Yeah, they did, actually. Uh, because uh, you get to see in 3D IMAX the same footage that the either the Chinese or the North Koreans used mm-hmm. to show a demonstration of their stealth fighter. Yeah, I remember that. Blowing up, blowing up MiGs and stuff. Now, you're not going to be able to hear this, but here comes a no attack because no. Strangely quiet. Let's try that again. No! no attacks should never be quiet. No, they should never be quiet. No attacks are designed specifically to be loud. To blow people's ears off. Barney, <laughs> my ear, bleeding ear their balls. Their ear balls. Exactly. Barney, my I'm bleeding, bleeding ear balls. Precisely. Uh, so. Never a dull moment here in the metaverse. True enough. True that. I was watching uh, the reports of the because um, Marvel Disney finds themselves in the unenviable position of having sold off the rights to chunks of the Marvel Universe before they got their act together to make the Marvel Cinematic Universe what it is. Oops. Yeah. So Sony is clutching desperately to Spider-Man and Fox is clutching desperately to the X-Men Universe. But I am heartened to see Brian Singer returning to the X-Men franchise mm-hmm. and stating that he wants to make it clear through things he's going to do in this movie that all of the X-Men films are, in fact, one contiguous storyline. So it'll be the X-Men cinematic universe. And he basically is indicating he wants to unscrew a few of the things that were screwed up by the movies that were not under his control. Oh, thank God. Um, like, uh, let's see, the entirety of uh, X3. Yeah. And chunks of uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Um, we'll see if they can pull that off. I mean, Singer did a damn fine job with the first two, and then... Went off, I guess, you know, thinking Superman was the siren song of the bigger title, and oh well, whatever. Yeah. And not so much. Not so much. I'm look. I'm curious to see what Man of Steel will do for that, uh, rejuvenating that little neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. But uh, kneel before Zod. Zod will never be Zod. And I mentioned this last week. If just if it's not Terrence Stamp, it's not Zod. Yeah, no, it can't be. I hope. I mean, we'll see. We, we've seen people take on iconic roles a la Heath Ledger um, mm-hmm. and give us their version of it and, and become beloved in their own way. Um, and I'm hoping that's what we get with, with this new improved Zod. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. But there, I will always have a, a special soft spot, a soft spot yeah. in my heart for this, the, this, the I'm going to eat the scenery Zod 
Yes. Who, who was so at home in that movie. It was great. Yeah. You go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, God. But it's, it's still so bad it's good. Yep. And I, 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 will, I will stop. You know, if it's on the screen, I will stop and watch scenes with him in it every time. Because it's freaking General Zod. Oh, yes. And what more could you ask for? Not much. <laughs> um, there's in, who was that? Aid, he of the uh, sexy accent, what uh, Daxa loves so much. Mm. Um, was asking about my Alpha Geek Radio thing. I talked about this last week. I've been fleshing out my Alpha Geek Radio site because uh, when I went to migrate versus the world radio, and versus the world forums to GoDaddy, I realized, holy crap, GoDaddy hosting is unbelievably cheap. Uh, so I bought one for myself as well. And uh-huh. uh, took some of the stuff that I learned and changed the Alpha Geek Radio site from the little stub that it had been into something a little more uh, fleshed out. So take a minute, pop over to alphageekradio.com and see what I am building there and let me know what you think. Um, we are still absolutely here on Versus the World Radio. Um, just simulcasting over there as well. So I'm sure. shamelessly self-promoting Alpha Geek Radio is what it boils down to. What? It's, it, is, it is, in fact, all about me. It is all about you. Because, well, I mean, me. Yeah, you're kind of a big deal. I am, in fact, kind of a big deal. And I can be that because Grail's not here this week. That's true. In fact, I'm going to play his drop-in, but I'm going to apply it to me. So stand by. Oops, I screwed that up. See, see, but without Grail here, apparently I'm psychotically incapable of operating the drop-in board. Wow. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I am, in fact, kind of a big deal. And yeah. that actually reminds me, I need to get out there and actually watch Anchorman because of all the great things I've heard about it. Are you, uh, have you... I've, I've not watched it either. Yeah, I just, that, I don't know, that brand of humor is hit or miss for me, um, but when yeah. it's... Hit part. That, that's, I think that we were talking about earlier, the, oh, the guy, they just don't make airplane anymore. I think mm-hmm. something like Anchorman is the modern attempt at that kind of film. The absurd, over-the-top. Then I guess I'd better give it a shot. I believe I shall, too, because Grail and, and Daxter can't get enough in there salivating for Anchorman 2. So I think I pr- should probably get on that train. If only to be prepared for the onslaught of drop-ins that are um, certain to come from Anchorman 2. Indeed. uh, See, the Black Void is is bringing up old wounds here um, about certain things dying if uh, you and... Uh, Okay, so there were those two times. (laughs) That you destroyed entire businesses, yes. Yes. Uh, We're sorry, Tenacious Games. (laughs) We didn't mean it. I'm sorry, Hellgate London. Hell what, London? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hell out of business, London. And yes, Aid, I am in fact very successful in all of my endeavors. Oh, it's a wordplay. Not that the world will ever know. Screw you, Mickey C. What? I had my, in the early days of uh, the guild, of the uh-huh. uh, I had my interview with the entire cast of the guild at okay. uh, BlizzCon. And back then we were broadcasting on WoW Radio. Mm-hmm. And Mickey C was in charge of the broadcast rig and failed to archive the entire interview. <laughs> I 
and I will never forgive uh, him. Because my, my epic Freudian slip, where her, I'm sitting across from Felicia Day, and yes. was going to ask her why you know, did she think that the, the formula for the guild was so successful because of the um, recent increase in you know, interest in World of Warcraft and MMOs in general. And of course, I said, why do you think it has been so successful? Ah! Which Sandeep Parikh uh, jumped right on and had a grand old time with. Um, and then uh-huh. c- certain people like Barry Von Awesome have never forgotten. So you, so you were hitting on Felicia Day. You do realize you're going to get a Scottish Claymore in your thorax for telling this story, <laughs> assuming that, uh, well, he's not around, so no, maybe you some, got away with someone it. Someone will let Gohex know, almost certainly. Yes, almost certainly. Gohex, I've touched Felicia Day multiple times. Oh, uh, see, now, now you really are done. He's getting on a plane. He's checking the Claymore. And we know the TSA, you know, they'll, they'll totally intercept that, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, so, actually, you only have my word to go on that any of that actually happened. Well, your word is good by me, so. Because, screw you, Mickey C. <laughs> Never going to forgive you for that one. It's just, can't, do, yeah. don't have it in me. No, and nor should you. <sighs> Barry V. remembers, you. okay. That I have evidence. Oh yeah, yeah, because he's such a sound and, and believable witness. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that handily brings us to our first break. I wow, have, already? That's you know, the tangent section. Uh, doth go fast when you get uh, time flies when you're having reminiscence. Man, I didn't even get a chance to talk about teen paranormal romance. Okay, now you have to. You're right. I do. Do I do it now? Okay, I'll do it now. Do it now! Okay, well, uh, I put the Mistress of Giggles back on a plane to Norwegia uh, Friday. So I've been in mourning a little bit all of this weekend. Uh, but how, how, are the, how are the hand cramps doing? What's that? How are the hand cramps? you got to do the special exercises. Well, yeah. I've, I actually have... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm injured. Oh! Um, is, really, is really all that needs to be said about that. Oh, anyway... Uh, so for Valentine's Day, we went and saw the new teen paranormal romance film called Beautiful Creatures. That's based off of a book written by some lady um, that's all about teenagers in love and there's, like, magic or something. Anyway. <laughs> they obviously uh, grabbed your attention. No, well, the, the, here's the thing. Because, I, because I've seen Twilight... My standard for what is is entertaining in the teen paranormal romance genre mm-hmm. is so low that Beautiful Creatures wasn't bad. Okay. And once again, it takes great character actors like Jeremy Irons to carry the day. I love Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons is great. I've loved him in everything he's done except for the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah, that was not good. No. But that movie was so terrible that not even he could... How many times did a boom microphone come into frame in that film? Ooh. No. Lots? I have no idea. It, I mean, it suffered from editing so bad and cinematography so bad that there was cinematography equipment visible in scenes. Oh, uh, love it. Yeah. 
Never mind the, the bad acting and the bad writing and the, and the non-existent yeah. plot. But yeah, as soon as soon as uh, you start seeing furry microphones uh, dipping into the top of frames, like, oh, I need to leave. Yep. But uh, no, this was this was good. It was uh, Jeremy Irons plays a sort of patriarchal uh, magic user, witch warlock, whatever whatever words. Uh, whatever words uh, apply in this case. And, uh, you know, he did a good job of it. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Uh, the Mistress of Giggles is reading the book, actually, and she said she's two-thirds of the way through it and was actually very pleased with the book. Um, reading the book after the film, they preserved most of what's in the book. So it's pretty close. Already then, between book and film, so internet memes though is all the you know the crappy love story uh, pictures and but with the the title and still a better uh, love story than Twilight. Yes, this one is by far a better story, a better love story than Twilight. Though my favorite, is, my favorite is still where they talk about the first uh, three minutes of Up and say you know, no words <laughs> animated. Still a better love story than Twilight. Story than Twilight. Yeah. Well, really, you should be looking at those Twilight films as comedy films anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's it's just like they already did Weekend at Bernie's, so this is like <laughs> Weekend at Cedric Diggory's house. <laughs> uh, like, no, no, wave his arms. I'm a vampire, you idiot. <laughs> and on that, and on that bombshell, we're going to go to our break. I have some mini bosses queued up, you guys. This will be Mike Tyson's Punch Out. We will return for Geeks in a Gaming World right after this. Hey, Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants at frogpants.com, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio.
Geeks in a Gaming World. Casually Toddcore continues live on Alpha Geek Radio, simulcasting on Versus the World Radio, VTWProductions.com. I am joined this week by my emergency, yes, break glass in case of emergency co-host, Octail. Greetings. Hi! Welcome back. Yes, uh, seeing as all my other hosts bagged on me. So, so glad I have this large you know, cadre of, of hosts so that you know, if, if a couple of them can't make it, there's always spares, and then they all manage to bag at the same time. But I'm not bitter. No, not at all. It, I can tell. It is, it is well that I am, I am not bitter. No. So we have charged forthwith into our next segment, Geeks in a Gaming World. And in the land of yet another Kickstarter... Because who's not kickstarting a game franchise these days, or an old, or resurrecting a beloved game franchise via Kickstarter? <sighs> but this one hits a little close to home, because this one actually is one that I'm probably going to pony up for. Um, what? X-wing squadron? No, that this is actually to build a squadron of X-wings. Oh, this is this is not the Rogue Squadron video game. This is not. X-Wing, the LucasArts flight sim. This is, let's build a real squadron of X-Wings. Let's, let's this build is, ourselves some X-Wings. This is the response a, to, the, to the let's build a Death Star. Yeah. See, I'm so, I mean, I read the title, and my brain didn't even go to the place where I would think that somebody would be, oh, let's build real X-Wings. So this is from Popular Science, popsci.com. X-Wing Squadron Kickstarter raises $100,000 to strike back against the Death Star Kickstarter. Oi. Yep. <laughs> How meta are we getting here, people? Yep. This Death Star funding story just became a trilogy. First, the White House shot down a petition to build the Death Star. Then, Which a, is a shame, really. Yeah. About, because it would be a giant public works project. Damn right. And that... 8% of the U.S. population that's out of work, suddenly they all have jobs. Yes, but they all need to wear uh, identical white suits and, and faceless helmets. Because... They're the, they're, the, they're the unemployed. Don't, are, don't you oh, what think so, of them so that way anyway? They are the vast faceless masses. Ah, how, how, uh, how, uh, how symbolic of you. Oh. Uh-huh. Then, a team took to Kickstarter to crowdfund a Death Star. Now, it's Return of the Jedi, a team looking for $11 million to build a fleet of X-Wings, and it's already got more than $100,000. And they actually put out schematics for the X-Wing snub fighter. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, no, this is not the gaming topic that I thought it was. This is not the gaming topic I was looking for. I was I was wondering because I didn't know there was a game out there called X Wing Squadron, Mm-mm. right? I know of Rogue, Rogue Squadron, Squadron, which is well, a rail shooter. My assumption right? was that they went with X Wing Squadron to not step on the toes of the existing trademark, but no, dopey me, they want real X Wings. Uh, well, you could do a lot more than real X Wings than you ever could with the Rogue Squadron video game franchise. This is true. Ah. Uh, I mean, what, but, but I mean, what good is a snub fighter going to be against a Death Star Kickstarter? I mean, come on. Well, the Empire doesn't consider a small one-man fighter to be any threat, or 
the Death Star would have a tighter defense. But the so, target area is only uh, three meters wide. I mean, well, that, that's impossible even it, for a targeting computer. It's not impossible. Well, Luke Skywalker used to bullseye womp rats with his T-16 back home. Yeah, They're not much bigger than two meters. Were the, were the womp rats firing at him with turbo laser cannons? Okay, were they? You know, my thought is the whole reason why the, the Death Star blew up is the barrel recoil from the, uh, from the turbo laser batteries. <laughs> yeah, the energy weapon with the barrel recoil. I could never quite... Um... And, and say what one. you say what you want to about the prequels. At least the big capital ship guns on in the capital ships in the prequels mm-hmm. showed them loading shells. Yes. So there's there's a reason why that barrel should recoil because it's more traditional ordnance than just energy weapons. Yep. Yeah, we could nitpick that one to death. It's George Lucas, and it looked damn good on the screen at the time. Oh, no, it looked gorgeous. But in the Carillion Corvette, Mm. gun barrels didn't recoil. All like like, like two guns the Corvette apparently had. Turbo lasers don't recoil. And And yet the the quad cannons on the uh, Millennium Falcon do recoil. You're right, they do. (laughs) Because they were obviously based off of traditional, you know, anti-aircraft. But what the hell? Sure. Uh, yeah. There were. Yeah. Exactly. So. Still, one of my favorite sequences ever, though, was the the uh, dogfight as they're escaping the Death Star with them in the uh, in the belly mm-hmm. guns. Oh yeah. For some yeah. reason, always worked for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Just loved it. Yeah. One of my one of my go back to nerd moments. All right. So in, in an actual uh, gaming topic. The let the leaked information or potentially leaked information about the next round O consoles begin. As usual, Nintendo beat everybody by just releasing their freaking console first and said, "Here you go." Didn't they learn from Sega? Sega. No, they learned from the original Nintendo Wii, which made buckets of money for them. I mean, they were. But it wasn't. It, but it wasn't any good. You're missing the point. It wasn't any good, and it made them buckets of money. No. Remember their priorities. Money. I I suppose they are in a position where they can put out just any old crap with Mm -hmm. a Nintendo logo on it, and everybody will just buy it. Well, but shockingly, as a new owner of a Wii U, seeing as conveniently, right before Christmas, our Wii croaked, um... Uh the Wii U is not merely any old crap and has some interesting potential features to it. Um, I'm waiting to see what the final iteration of their TV, that's TVII, ha, 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 ha. Ho, ho. Uh, uh, integration with TiVo will be. Because um, it's basically a tablet interface for television viewing where... It's the it's that elusive second screen that everyone's trying to go for, where additional mm-hmm. information about whatever you're watching live becomes available via the touch screen, um, which in its current form is okay and nice and, and is fantastic for someone who just has regular all they have is regular television and a Wii U. It bring you know, it brings the whole internet integration piece into it beautifully, mm-hmm. um, but but. Being a big nerd that I am, I've already got all these other internet-enabled devices, so it's not as big of a deal for me. But 
what they're promising is coming is integration into the TiVo's environment and ecosystem such that uh, playback and recording from within the interface. And it's, it's unspecified what those things were, will be. So I'm waiting to see if that'll be a deal maker for me because I've glanced at TV on, on the Wii U and said, yeah, it's kind of neat, but I've already got all this crap. Um, but our friends everywhere on the internet, but in this case, uh, Kotaku, are reporting on the alleged images of the PlayStation 4 controller. So from Kotaku.com, new PS4 controller image raises more questions about what's actually in the controller. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So they have, they have the reference. Yesterday, we posted this photo of a prototype controller for the next PlayStation. The image turned up online, and an industry source familiar with the system told us the photo was indeed a prototype controller for the PS4, codenamed Orbis. Yeah, okay. Um... So it basically looks like a DualShock controller with a an area that appears to be a screen crammed in um, above the analog sticks. Yep. So the big question everyone has is, okay, is that merely going to be a screen with information, or will it be touch-sensitive and context-sensitive, or you know, what is it actually going to be? Because they've only ever shown it in an inactive state. People have mocked up images that might appear on there, but you know, all we've got as far as the unofficial, official leaked image is a DualShock controller that appears to have a screen on it. What a no- novel idea, <coughs> Nintendo 64. Sega uh, uh, Dreamcast. Yeah. Actually, no, the Dreamcast had it native, and then with the Nintendo 64, you had to have one of the fancy memory packs to get it, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you had to have... I don't even remember anymore. I played. I haven't played my Dreamcast in some time. Well, you could also on the N64. You could use your your Game Boy as the controller. That's right. That's right. Which was kind of a you know them thrashing about looking for ideas. And for today, it was kind of neat, uh, but again, didn't mm-hmm. catch up and catch on in a big way. Right. So Sony has gone the route of everybody gets a screen instead of the the chosen one gets a screen in the form of the uh, Wii U controller. Screens for everyone. That's it. <laughs> In the fifth three-year plan, we shall put out uh-huh. screens for everybody. Ah, uh, again, it's it's a prototype. I don't I don't even know what to do with this. Well, right? I mean, it's going to change form. And even if it were the launch version, it's only going to matter what the software developers use it for. Mm-hmm. Show me a game that makes good use of it. That was the thing with the Wii U for me, is I really didn't get the tablet idea until we got it home and got some games in there that are written for the Wii U and utilize it, and then yeah. it makes complete sense. Well, and I, I just wonder if this is not some sort of gimmicky way to stave off having to provide upright walking gamer controls for a console. As opposed to just releasing a mouse and keyboard with your system. Right. Or even a mouse and a Nostromo N50. How about that? So I don't have to lumber around this ridiculous keyboard all the time. All I literally need is flat surfaces on the arms of my easy chair, and I can play first-person shooter games, and I can play all those games with just a Nostromo N50 
and and a mouse mm-hmm. and so I just don't wonder if this is if this thing is going to be something that they try to close the gap end quote um, in the control differences between the the consoles and the PC. But it's still it's just a freaking DualShock yeah. controller. Yeah, I mean there's there's nothing new about its shape or where the buttons or the four way controller are or where the dual or where the analog sticks are. They've just taken where you used to have the logo and the start and pause buttons and stuck a screen there. That would be really funny if the developers, because of the screen, um, have to do something so radically different that they just reject the technology. Hmm. Because the Xbox 720J241X or whatever the heck it's going to be called um, th- there's no guarantee that their controller is going to have a screen. Mm-hmm. And even if they do have a screen, there's no guarantee that whatever protocols or whatever that they use to make the screen work are going to be the same as what Sony's using uh, for their screen. So I wonder if this just isn't some lame Sony attempt to get third-party development houses to uh, provide Sony more exclusives. Right. That's another another route Sony could be taking with this with this goofy screen because you'll have to do you'll have to code specifically for the screen, which would make porting a pain in the ass right. unless you built for either the Xbox or the PC first and then ported to the PlayStation, and in which case your game's not going to take advantage of the screen at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to how much work it is because I saw that port in action in the form of uh, Arkham Asylum Armored Edition, which was the Wii U port, and it had all the features of Arkham. And then glued on was the stuff that utilized the the tablet, but it was okay. really neat. But the core gameplay was on un- was unaltered. Okay. Um, they had just taken a lot of the menus that used to pop up and and obscure the big screen and just moved them to the handheld screen. Mm, okay. The question I don't have the answer to there is you know, how much work was that for them to do? Sure. To make that happen, and and would they be willing to do it when Nintendo was obviously you know paying them a bucket of money to do it to have it as a launch title? Is the average development house going to be willing to put in that work when nobody's subsidizing them? Mm-hmm. We shall see. Yeah, but yeah, it just it, that just that thing that controller just feels like PlayStation Move to me. Is it, there? It feels like an also ran. Like, yeah, oh. and it's all going to be as you said. It's all going to be dependent on the software. If the software developers choose to take advantage of that screen, it could make some awesome. It could gameplay. make the PlayStation Four give it a leg up in the next. Uh, next bit of the next round of the console war, maybe. To be determined. Mm-hmm. Now, from our friends at the much-revered Bungie, we have a look at their next big thing, and it's described as a persistent world adventure, While at, but they're avoiding the, the, the term massively multiplayer online anything. So this is from Joystick.com, and Bungie reveals Destiny, an always-on, persistent world adventure. 
After nearly two years of rumors and leaks, the Halo franchise architects at Bungie have finally lifted the veil on their next project, Destiny. Part of a 10-year publishing deal with Activision, Destiny is a persistent world console shooter where players create and customize their identities and gear in order to venture across a future version of our own solar system on quests to gather loot and defeat evil. Sounds like an MMO to me. Sounds like an MMO to me, except for the whole console piece. I mean, Final Fantasy XI screams at me from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Bungie has made significant investments in the game's multiplayer component to emphasize cooperative play. Single-player purists will be able to quest as a guardian throughout the galaxy. However, in order to realize the vision of the game, Destiny will require a constant internet connection on all platforms, regardless of play style. The infection has come to consoles. It's jumped species. Great. Always on freaking DRM, even when you're playing single-players now on consoles. Yep. I'm just going to nip off and shoot myself, okay? Uh, can you finish the show first? Oh, fine. F- f- fine. Yes. Fine. fine. And not to be troublesome, I just, you know, would like to not be stuck here going, uh, I'm um, on the air and the controller is dead, so I have to, like, filibuster <laughs> until one of your co-hosts can get to your house. Clean up, clean up Break in. Break in. <laughs> And then shut off the show. And I don't think anybody wants me to do that. <laughs> oh, I just, I lost hope, faith in, in the industry when the always on DRM for frickin' Sim City became apparent. The new version of Sim City requiring always on. I mean, the ultimate single player, player game. game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, you're doing it wrong. But anyway. Yeah. I understand why the the architecture is here because the main game is the always-on persistent world MMO-ish environment. So I'm assuming the underlying code is all about you playing in the greater world and they probably consider the single player as the thing they grafted on at the last second. Sure, but my question is what are they going to do? Are they they going to put people in the world at whatever place that they are in their own personal storyline, and those are the only people that you see in this persistent world? Because if you don't buy this game in the first 36 hours that the game is out, you will be the only thing that you will ever see is the end game state. Yeah. If, if you move with everyone else. If they have something like phasing, like what we saw in World of Warcraft, then they might be able to pull off the... Everyone plays their own unique version of it and only see the others that are at the same stage. Or it could be zone-based, where you go into areas and are only accessing certain areas when you are of a certain level or gear level. Mm-hmm. So to be determined. This, yeah. was, this, this was the the you know the ultimate first teaser. Nobody's played it. Nobody knows anything about it other than the little bit of information that that uh, Bungie has let uh, let get out here. Yeah, but this is a continuation of a troubling trend, at least to my mind, in the same vein that one of the Borderlands 2 designers finally came out and said, well, we kind of designed the game to be to be co-op multiplayer, based, uh, designed the game around co-op multiplayer, um, to which my immediate response is, then why are the systems that support co-op multiplayer so god-awful? Right. If that was There's your emphasis, no... then why does it suck so hard? 
Right. The uh, the you know the the uh, lobby system is not very good. Loot distribution is terrible for a game that's quote designed around cooperative multiplayer. Right. Um, which would lead you to believe, of course, with those the systems that they have in place, that Borderlands Two was designed as a single player game, and the uh, the uh, uh, online multiplayer part of the co op multiplayer part was was purely optional. So my question then, to take it to this, mm-hmm. is okay. It's going to be on consoles only. Are there going to be systems in place that make co-op multiplayer what co-op multiplayer should be? And my suspicion is not because that stuff is expensive. Well, according to the article, uh, as players explore the world of Destiny, Bungie's network code will constantly work to match players within proximity of each other when they enter public areas such as quest areas, towns, and more. While the concept sounds like an MMO, Bungie says players shouldn't expect to see town squares littered with hundreds of players. The amount of players you see is is design-controlled, Bungie CEO Pete Parsons said, adding, it's not about stuffing as many people in there as possible. That's also about not cluing you in when server populations are desolately low. So that works both ways in their favor. Right. So this whole dynamically matching you with other people in the zone, okay, uh, sounds good. But we've you know we've seen things like the dungeon finder in MMOs and the you know, the group finding mechanisms that have always required constant rewriting and constant tweaking. And I'm not sure if anyone has quite perfected because you can't fix people. I mean, you always get matched with with morons or jerks occasionally. So yep. Well, actually, to that point, Talia in the IRC says you want to play always online, Octale, because what is a drop of rain to a storm or a thought to a mind? Mistrust is the tyranny of the individual. Our (laughs) unity is full of wonder, which your tiny individualism cannot even concede. Nope, Talia, I just hate stupid people. So I try to limit my exposure to stupid people whenever possible. And because uh, Blizzard had the courage to end internet stupidity forever and then wussed out at the 11th hour with real ID, I have to suffer stupid people, so I have to play online games by myself. Yep. Let's tag one little story on here at the end before we take our next break here. This is also from Joystick.com. They are referencing a Wall Street Journal article. The new PlayStation console to stream PS3 games. The next PlayStation will be able to stream PlayStation 3 games according to unnamed sources familiar with Sony's plans. The claim comes from a new report published by the Wall Street Journal and suggests that online streaming of current PS3 games will be paired with new games sold on optical media through regular channels. Um, I'm surprised that the PS4 is not online only and they're continuing with optical uh, distribution. Well, I th- I think part of that is because the infrastructure of places like, well, even to take places like the United States, which in any major metropolitan area is a pretty good infrastructure, um, there are places where the infrastructure is insufficient to support that kind of internet connectivity, so they have to provide alternatives for all those people that don't have good enough internet connections to be online all the time. And you consider how damn much stuff you can cram onto a Blu-ray disc versus how long that would take to download. 
right over a crap internet connection. So I get it. I, I, right. Their wet dream is to be fully online distribution and total control over your console by remote, but the infrastructure is not there for them to realize their most moist of uh, control freak dreams. But the fact that they're going to make the PS3 library available via streaming, a la the uh, Nintendo Wii Virtual Console, uh, is interesting. Makes makes perfect sense. Because um, you might not, in a fit of nostalgia, run out to the store and buy a PS3 title, but you might, in a fit of nostalgia, download it and play it a little bit. And by then, Sony's got your money. Mm-hmm. All about Very the true. instant gratification, baby. Very true. Uh, looking at you, Kid Icarus, on Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> I hit, uh, I mean, I was an old Hudson Soft and old TurboGrafx-16 owner. So yeah. when those titles started turning up on the Nintendo Virtual Console, I was all over it. I was in there with R-Type and Bonk's Adventure. Um, sure. Having a grand old time. Went out and got the old school uh, analog stick controller and enjoyed many an hour uh, reliving Bonk's Adventure because side-scrolling because... platformer of Doom, wannabe Mario, but it was it was my game from, from my college years. That's right. Why wouldn't you? Let's get another story of the superior technology being beaten to death in the American marketplace because NEC had the best damn gaming platform out there. Oh, yeah. It had the game cartridges that you took the exact same game and put it in the portable version, and it was the same game. Yep. The portable had an active matrix screen in an era of where that was unheard of. And even though it had an active matrix screen, it was playing the full console version of the games. It did not annihilate batteries. Yep. So, and of course, they were one of the first to market with a CD add-on and had a good library of titles. So, of course, it failed utterly and was and was devoured by the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, sure. Well, because all you need to be successful is a gelding pseudo-elf with a sword. I liked my bald uh, child caveman... Uh, Bonk was good. Bonk was good. I'll take Bonk over Mario any day. Bonk was good. Anyway, we are coming up on our next break here. What I got queued up for you here? I got, uh, ah, I did another mini boss here. I thought I'd done Jonathan Colton. Nope, he's later. Uh, This is their rendition of Ninja Gaiden from their live show. You are listening to Casually Toddcore, live on Alpha Geek Radio, simulcasting on Versus the World Radio, VTWProductions.com. We shall return right after this. Title and background music for this production provided courtesy of Sean Beeson, composer for media. Find him on the web at www.seanbeeson.com. That's S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N dot com.
researched chaos. Casually Todd Core continues live on Versus the World Radio and AlphaGeekRadio.com. We charge forward into researched chaos where our topics are provided by our all-volunteer research team, to whom we are extremely thankful. Contributors this week include MacBit, not to be confused with MacButt, and the man whose name I love to say, Boba Fetish. Ow. Say it with me, Boba Fetish. Boba Fetish. Mm. And we have a particular story that I believe that Octail wanted to lead with, because it's... Yep! There's great affection there, I was feeling. I, I do! In the television version of Orson Welles' original broadcast of, of War of the Worlds, a Montana television station's regular programming was interrupted by news of a zombie apocalypse. The Montana Television Network says hackers broke into the emergency alert system of Great Falls affiliate KRTV and its CW station on Monday. KRTV says on its website that the hackers broadcast that dead bodies are rising from their graves in several Montana counties. But of course they are. (laughs) Brains. Brains. So I guess the, the neat thing about this, of course, is it's the television equivalent of... And not the equivalent because obviously it doesn't it doesn't create the same sort of panic that the original broadcast of War, War of the Worlds did uh, when Orson Welles did it. And I want to say that's back in the forties or fifties, mm-hmm. something like that, um, in which you know they went on and did the War of the Worlds broadcast, and people really thought there was an alien invasion happening, and so like you went down into their basements and started hoarding food and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, to break into the emergency alert system of a, of a television station, uh, and to broadcast something like that, that's really awesome. Unfortunately, it was the CW, so nobody was watching. Yeah, sadly, they, they couldn't get a high profile target or, or broadcast it where anyone cared. Yeah. <sighs> but that's still some serious cojones and to, to use those powers, that they had hacked into and acquired for such a noble pursuit of to to warn the populace of the coming zombie apocalypse. Uh, yes, our hats are off to you, O oh hackers of Montana. Yeah, because the deeply um, well entrenched hacking community of Montana. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a testament just how how worldwide uh, the internet has made us. Mm-hmm. That it's the Montana station, of course. The one in the one in Montana is likely to be the one that has the worst security. So, also true. Well, Idaho. Oh, there is that. Yeah. So this next piece I touched on a little bit last week. So for several months after my uh, dearly departed Google Nexus One took a swim, I was on a first day an I- iPhone four and then an iPhone four S from loaned to me from a client very generously and I was able to jailbreak the 4 but the battery was worthless and eventually transitioned to the 4S which was one of the newer family of iOS devices based on Apple's own CPU design, the A-series processors so they have the A4, A5 and the A6 now 
And one of the crowning achievements of these processors was their resistance to, at a hardware level, to the concept of jailbreaking, which is freeing the operating system on the iOS devices from Apple's uh, ironclad control. And for a good couple of years now, uh, the jailbreaking community has been struggling and failing to come up with a workaround or a way to jailbreak these A4 and A5 and A6 series devices, except for in a tethered fashion in some cases, meaning if your phone ever rebooted, you had to be near a computer that was running the jailbreaking software and physically plug it in during the boot process in order to bypass it. Well, if you've ever had a smartphone, you know that rebooting is a fairly regular occurrence sometimes. Mm -hmm. So to suddenly lose all your add-ons in the middle of the day was really not an acceptable solution. So... After much struggling and pain and waiting in line, I finally, uh, once they became available again, oh so briefly a couple weeks ago, got my hot little hands on the Google Nexus 4 to replace my dearly departed Nexus 1. And of course, two days later, Evasion is published, which is the new untethered jailbreak for every iOS device in existence with the exception of the most recently released Apple TV that no one cares about jailbreaking anyway. So this is effectively the skeleton key into every iOS device in the world that the dream team of jailbreak architects got together and worked intensively for a few weeks and figured out the way to jailbreak all the current iOS devices just after it could have been any use to me because it is, in fact, all about me. That's right. At Murphy's Law of Technology. Murphy was an optimist, okay? Also true. But from Forbes.com, Evasion is the most popular jailbreak ever. Nearly 7 million iOS devices hacked in four days. Over the last half a week, Apple has been hit with the largest mass hacking incident in its history, and the perpetrators were the company's own users. Nearly 7 million iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch owners have cracked Apple's restrictions on their devices using the jailbreaking tool Evasion since the tool was released Monday morning, according to the latest count from Jay Freeman, the administrator of the App Store for jailbroken uh, devices known as Cydia, also known as the really good App Store. Uh, that makes the iOS hacking up the fastest adopted jailbreak software of all time. Because, my God, the amount of pent-up demand on all these A5 and A6 devices was a little strong. So, good on you, Evasion team. Um, Could have used it about eight months ago, but uh, I forgive you. <laughs> well, it's just, the reason I jailbreak is is simple, uh, is because I'm caught in the pissing match between Google and Apple. Okay. Voice. Now, for those of you who don't know, Google Voice is a telephone number that is tied to your Google account. Mm -hmm. And what you can do with this phone number is you, you sign in. It's completely free. You can pick a, a phone number in whatever area code that you like that they have service in. And then you start giving that number out to people. In your control panel on your Google Apps site, you can tell Google what phone numbers and devices you want that phone number to ring on at any given moment. So you can go in there and pre-program with your office telephone, your multiple cell phones, your home phone, 
um, a remote IP-based phone, whatever. And when a call comes in, all the devices ring simultaneously, and you can pick up on any one of them. And if nobody answers, it rolls to a centralized voicemail, which will transcribe to text with mixed results and email it to you. Basically, it makes your telephone presence Internet-based such that where it reaches you in real life becomes very programmable and instantly changeable. So mm-hmm. who your cell phone provider is is now irrelevant because you can change it six times a day if you'd like, and no one will be the wiser because they just call your number and it rings to wherever you're sitting. This is all fine and dandy for incoming calls. Outgoing becomes more complicated because when you have a cell phone in your hand and you dial a number, it appears to come from whatever number is in that phone, not whatever number your Google Voice account has, unless you use an app. Now, on a Google Android device, that app replaces the actual built-in phone app. So the phone works exactly the same as it normally does, with the only change being all of your SMS messages, all your calls are stamped with the Google Voice telephone number, thus maintaining the fiction that you know that is the only number you've got. On the Apple side, of course, Apple won't let Google make an app that does that. They specifically forbid them from making a replacement for the built-in phone app. So you have to run this third-party app that is okay for replacing calls, but all the integrated features like Apple's messaging and Apple's call tracking and all the things that tap into the phone logs don't work properly because Apple won't let them in because they're competitors. Mm -hmm. But Apple doesn't have a corresponding service to offer. They just want to stymie your abilities to use their competitor service, not that they have anything better to offer themselves. So if you jailbreak you can install an app that removes Apple's phone app and puts in a Google-compatible one and makes your Google Voice experience completely seamless. But I've decided just to say screw Apple and get the genuine Google phone that, of course, because it's a genuine Google phone, works unbelievably seamlessly with Google Voice. So (laughs) to you is all I say to Apple. Here, here. Um, so my experience with not jailbreaking Apple phones, but with rooting an old MyTouch, HTC MyTouch 3G, okay. back in the day, it was real easy to do, but the version of Android that I had on it would get progressively more unstable to the point where I had to turn my advanced task killer up to be almost heretical. Right. Like, kill everything within five minutes if it randomly starts or ever. Always kill everything at all times. Trust no one. Trust no one. Unless unless I'm actively using it type of thing. So, you know, it would become fanatical about killing stuff, and that was the only way I could keep the iOS stable, but the, or not the iOS, the uh, uh, Android stable. And then I discovered that I use none of the features that come with rooting a Google phone. Because the whole reason I did it was for wireless tethering everywhere. Right. Right? Just, everything's tethered wirelessly, no big deal. All the phone companies, at least the big ones in the United States, are, are 
is scared about that. Right. Because none of them are willing to invest in more infrastructure or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the whole point was to was to be able to do that, and then I never used it. <laughs> so I I did it just to do it. Now that I've done it once, I'm just kind of like, eh. Yeah, the interesting that, thing about, my, about that's my response to jailbreaking Apple phones. Just like, eh. Well, my answer was you know, the only reason I didn't go straight to the Nexus 4 was because they couldn't be had because right. Google did it right. They put out a reasonably priced, completely unlocked, no catch, you own the phone, you choose your carrier, and they were snapped up in minutes. Sure. And then they you know, quadrupled the order, the next batch came in, and they were gone in just a few more minutes. So they octupled mm-hmm. the order, and they just, they just cannot make them fast enough because it's a $300 phone that is bleeding edge new technology with all the bells and whistles you want with no restrictions that you will get OS updates for, unlike most other Android phones. And I'm able to use the prepaid card from T-Mobile for a fixed amount with no mysterious charges every month. No, I mean, 70 bucks a month gets me unlimited everything and I'm completely legit above board. Didn't have to hack or do anything. Mm -hmm. Bring it. Oh, that's great. I just wish I could do that with an iOS phone because they're fine products. Yeah. With a massive Achilles heel. Yes. <sighs> That's the world we live in, though. Zombies. Mm-hmm. Zombies. <laughs> they're attacking in Montana. Apparently. We, it, I read it on the internet. It must be true. Yes. Let me let you in this little site called Snopes, okay? Before you email me. Anything or post anything that's going to appear on my Twitter feed and or going to appear on my Facebook feed, I require you to cross-reference Snopes first, damn it. If only I could write an app that would... would, would uh, there's, there's how I'm going to be a billionaire right there. I'm going to develop an app that will plug into all your social media feeds and your email. will automatically filter every email you get and cross-check them against Snopes and dump all the ridiculous forwarded messages and outright lies that people are forwarding you to you as fact and just put them straight in your trash. I am going to be rich. Yeah. All I have to do now is learn how to write a program. Oh, well. Well, that's easy, though, right? Yeah, but I'm gonna. I'll, or I'll just patent the idea and then and then submarine until somebody actually makes it and then steal all their money, because that's oh, the new yeah. American way. Yeah, but I'm not bitter. <clears throat> this from RadioTimes.com: BBC to premiere new shows on iPlayer before they arrive on TV. Corporation plans to debut up to 40 hours of new programming online ahead of its transmission on conventional linear television. The British have it figured out. They are ahead of us. They have, the BBC has their centralized online playback tool, the iPlayer, provided by the BBC itself, not a third-party consortium like Hulu, but the actual content creator putting out and up until now, it's been shortly after a show was broadcast via traditional means, it would become available for a limited time for on-demand playback via the iPlayer, which to me is the perfect way of saying you don't even need a DVR. 
You just need to be, in, in the case of the, the Brits, paying your television license. Um, and one of the features you get will be an Internet-based DVR that records for you in perfect quality and you can play back at any time within a week or two of missing a show. Now they're taking the logical step further of just saying, well, screw it, let's use this to test drive content um, so we can make even more content available and maybe get some shows rolling that uh, might not otherwise have seen the light of day if they're popular online. Mm-hmm. Every major U.S. network needs to start doing this yesterday. Uh, yeah, but. But. What is your but? Tell, show show my, me your but. My but. <laughs> no. I, I couldn't let that one go. No. Only the Mistress of Giggles gets to see that nowadays. Bow, anyway. Bow, wow. Anyway. Well, so I, my my so yes, every American network needs to do that. But the way every American network will implement this is the exact same way that ESPN implemented ESPN3.com, which was really really awesome when it first got up and running to give everybody a taste, and then became terrible because in order to get any of the content that's not under blackout, you have to be an ESPN subscriber, and subsidizing 100 terrible channels on your cable provider. I'm willing to subscribe because I know the, the British model is different because they have BBC has revenue from their licensing infrastructure. Right. Because you actually buy, you know, you buy a TV license and that money goes to help fund content. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing to look at, though, is the competing non-government subsidized networks there have matching products. So they've got the Dave network over there. That's the uh, comedy channel. Sure. And they have the exact same setup um, just to because the customer base is used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm already accustomed to paying $7.99 a month for content such as Netflix and Hulu Plus. Sure. The networks could step away from their consortium of Hulu Plus and get money from me directly if they were to come up with a compelling package of their own, I'd be willing to pony up that eight bucks a month directly to them. Four times over? Just take the big networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. So it's, assuming, 32, bu- it's assuming, 32 bucks a month. Which is the, what, I, what the average person spends on basic cable anymore. Um, this could be just a knife in the heart of the cable distributors. Um Ooh. Which will be why it doesn't happen. But well, yeah, because they're all in bed with each other. But right, um, right. I think the closest U.S. equivalent to this is HBO Go. Um, mm-hmm. But that's again another one where you're subscribing up front, and then it becomes a you get to watch the content via different means because you've already given us money. Right. What I would want to see the U.S. ones come. In, I'm thinking that someone like an AMC might do this because they've pioneered this kind of stuff before of we're going to test drive shows on our internet feed and based on response here we'll green light stuff for the network if it succeeds in the internet space Mm. could work Uh, sure it could work but will it well, I'm, I, and I'm cynical it, about that. And and I can certainly see where the premiere only, you know, the pilot only of a show would show up on, say, Fox's website mm-hmm. for 
two weeks, and based on the uh, based on the response it gets for being on for being on for two weeks, then you know they may decide to give it a time slot. The other thing is networks are buried every year in a, an avalanche of pilots. I mean, the number of pilots that are made and submitted for consideration are staggering. You, you never see them. And they're produced by these other companies who hope to sell it to the networks. What would it cost the networks to shove those online with a voting system that 4chan would immediately game, but anyway, um, to gauge public interest in you know, what shows should they pick up? They could probably ignore all those things, which they likely would based on their past performance, but sure. it might at least get some interest going and, and some traffic headed their way and cost them not a lot because these pilots are coming to them anyway. And mm. Aid in the, in the IRC points out the NBC slash sci-fi channel um, rejiggered the... Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome from the original was going to be a pilot for a TV series, changed it to a standalone movie, and then changed it to a series of webisodes, 15-minute webisodes, that they released to get internet traffic, and then will broadcast it on the Sci-Fi Channel and are now publishing it as the super uncut, unedited version on Blu-ray. Mm. So they're obviously test-driving this reverse model of... Let's give it away in small chunks for free on the internet, driving traffic to our site. Let's broadcast it to our paying customers on basic cable. And then let's sell the super-duper director's version not seen on any of those previous distribution methods on Blu-ray. All hinging on the fact that this is a good, well-written show shot with good production values like every BSG we've seen before, mm -hmm. other than Caprica. Um... Yeah, I did not like that show. Because it, it, was, it was set in the same universe, but it was a vastly different story. And it just was yeah. not, my brain was jarred too, too hard by the, but what is, this is, yeah, okay, it's set on Caprica, but this is not Battlestar Galactica to me. Right. That and, that and the super hyper-sexualized young teens in New Cap City, I found really off-putting. When they uh, were that's that's fair enough. I just didn't care about jo Joseph Adama's story. Yeah, he's a mobster. I mean, I, I I couldn't I couldn't care less. It's not gonna let me, It's not gonna make me like the admiral less. It's not gonna make me like Lee less or more. Um. So show me the background. You know, show me. Uh, here's a perfect example. Show me Duala's story. Yeah. How does she how does she go from wherever she started to on Sagittarion all the way to uh all the way to executing herself in the in the officers mm -hmm. bunk area in season 4 after they discover that earth is yeah not earth right mm -hmm. I mean, in in one of the most shocking turns that I'd never oh. saw coming and one of the reasons I've I've got Ronald D. Moore on my list of creators that if I ever meet in person, I will punch in the face and then hug. Uh, yes. Because he got me with that. And, yeah. And looking back at it, the, the, what led her there was completely believable and was awesome storytelling. Yep. Because the, the unbelievable despair of we're never 
gonna find a home would absolutely yes. drive people to that place, but I didn't. I should have yeah. seen it coming, and I didn't. And and so knowing that the story ends badly makes something about telling the early story even that more compelling. Well, the okie doke for me was that they uh, she and Lee go out on that date. Right, right before. Right. It's like, oh, so it's like, she, oh, it's going to be the Disney focus group right. ending where where her and Lee are going to get back together and they'll finally find a planet when they'll, the series is running. They'll lean on each other be during these hard little times. Little Lee Duala's running around all over the place, <gasps> no. right? Oh, no. <laughs> nope, there's gray matter to be cleaned up is what there is. Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> but I digress. All right, that brings us nicely to our final break before we take your calls. So warm up your copies of Skype, point them at VTW Shows. If you have Skype, click to call install. Go over to VTWProductions.com or AlphaGeekRadio.com. Look in the lower right-hand corner for the I'm online icon. And when we tell you to, click that to dial in. Today's call-in topic to remind you is what technology, primarily technology, technology system, whatever, that used to be considered mainly the purview of the nerdy or the geeky or the technically-minded is now mainstream and has most greatly affected your life uh, today. Something that used to be only the nerds played that stuff, and now, of course, everyone has a insert item here. So world-shaping technologies that the nerds saw the uh, potential in long before the great unwashed, because it is, in fact, all about us. You are listening to Casually Toddcore. Live on Alpha Geek Radio, simulcasting live on Alpha, or excuse me, on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Still had the flow of that down quite I need to work on that. We shall return right after a little Jonathan Colton. Oh, yeah. Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants Studios, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Circle forms, everybody comes round just 
Casually, Todd Core continues live on Alpha Geek Radio, simulcasting on Versus the World Radio, VTWProductions.com. Blacklist Glee! Blacklist Glee! Blacklist Glee! Octo, you have something to say? No. Blacklist Glee. <laughs> In fact, we should make that a hashtag. If, if, Fox had, if Fox had forums, I would thread jack them with Blacklist Glee. Yep. Those of you who weren't, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the... Uh, the suckage that is the team that produces Glee going out and stealing covers and giving no credit or attribution or money, and then selling their ripoffs of other people's covers for monies on iTunes all around the world. Most recent victim of which the just played, Jonathan Colton, with his uh, cover of Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back, or excuse me, his cover and reorchestration because he changed it from a hip-hop song to a ballad. Yeah. Because that makes Folks sense. Folks Folksy ballad. Oh, yeah. It's got banjo in it. I mean, come on. Banjo. It does. Like, come on. Banjo. So, uh, today's call-in topic, we have uh, nerdy technologies and things that changed the world and are now mainstream. I was going to go with uh, mobile data because I've been doing mobile data since, so oh, I don't know, 1992 in the form of amateur radio packet radio. So this used to be the realm of the Uber nerd, the ham radio operator, where we were strapping uh, analog modems to radio transmitters and you know, putting out massive 300 to 2400 baud uh, data streams over RF uh, long before there was an unlimited data plan available on uh, AT&T. And 
over the years, the packet radio technology was directly adapted into what are now your um, data services on your cellular carriers. So the, you know the the nerds and hams that uh, played with this stuff and worked out the kinks and wrote the standards are directly responsible for us having, you know, what Douglas Adams wrote about in Hitchhiker's Guide as the sub-Ethernet, which is the internet in your pocket wherever you go. Mm. So more power to the hams. May there always be amateur radio operators in the world because we're always coming up with something crazy and occasionally getting RF burns, but hey, what the hell. Octail, what sprang to your mind when I laid this one on you? <laughs> Google Street View, believe it or not. <laughs> I'll, now I'll you can stalk from the privacy of your that, own home. That sounds, that sounds weird, but I had an unhealthy obsession with road atlases in the time before technology. Really? Yeah. So whatever the uh, current year of Road Atlas was before my parents would load my family into the Wagon Queen family truckster right. and run us all over planet Earth, being America, America. Um, uh, for the family vacation, I would have the current year Road Atlas and I would follow along on the current year Road Atlas to wherever we were in the country. Awesome. Oh, so we're coming into Chicago, and this exit is this road, and it goes up that way, and it does all these things. Did your did your right? addiction ever lead you to AAA triptychs? No. Are you familiar with those? I'm. I am not. They were. You would if you were a AAA member. One of the services they would do is you tell them it was basically it was MapQuest before there was MapQuest. So oh, that, I do remember those because I think I think my mom knew a travel agent and right. they came in these like weird spiral bound things right, right. Well, and they, they, would they lay had out this huge pan- yeah. set of panels and they would put together a flip book showing just your route highlighted and it you physically highlighted with a highlighter for mm-hmm. you to have turn by turn directions for just your trip yes yes and they would tell you where all the road construction was mm-hmm. and all of that stuff Triptych is so old it was school. it was map quest plus every State DOT website. Uh, before there were websites. Before there were websites, all packaged up in one hard copy spiral bound thing. I do remember those. Yeah, those were awesome in the day, and of course they were completely yes. annihilated once MapQuest existed. Yeah, of course. But still. So I would do this unhealthy, I, I say unhealthy, I would do this thing where I would have a road atlas and I would be following along and then I would be looking up around at what the world looked like mm-hmm. just in case I was ever in that place, I guess, and driving that I would know, oh, this road goes up this way and I know where that goes and so on and so forth. I've seen it on a map before. Yep. So I was doing what uh, Google Street View the hard way Yeah. When it, when it was just one boy in his road atlas and a window a boy uh, in out atlas. in the world. Now, uh, sneakily, we have someone who has come on the line. Welcome to Casually Toddcore. You're on the air. Who's calling? This is True. True. How are you this fine day? I say Pretty it's good. false. Pretty good. You say false, huh? I say false. You're very strange. You'll not talk no more. You come back one year. Oh. <laughs> so what are your feelings on today's call-in topic, good True? Well, the first thing that popped to my mind were these little pieces of plastic, these little 
pieces of touch sensitive plastic I used to have in college. We used to call PDAs. Ah, yes. When I was, I remember being in my first year of college and with an original U.S. Robotics Palm Pilot, while all my friends were still using Franklin planners. Mm. And now we have iPhones and Android phones, and I work in IT, so at least one call a day is help my insert name of phone here, iPhone, Android, Blackberry has gone berserk. Yep. I remember the early thrashings about on the personal digital assistant. Uh, you had the Apple Newton message pad and the HP iPax. And what else was around there? We had the various uh, Rolodex uh, branded attempts. And really, the first. I had, I had a sharp first generation Windows CE1, as well as more Palm brand ones than I care to remember. See, the Palm ones really were the ones that first caught my attention because they came with this wild thing called the synchronization cradle. And suddenly the idea of, oh, a desktop application that will, as often as I can plug it into my serial port, <laughs> serial port, um, will reflect the changes that I've made on the computer versus the changes I've made in the field. Suddenly I began to see the shape of things going forward. And then I laid hands on my first Palm 7 with the integrated mobile data service and it was on because the, the shape of things to come was in my hand. Oh, yeah. And it only cost you a small fortune a month. Yeah, the data service was unbelievably egregiously expensive for the, I think it topped out at 19.2 kilobaud or something like that. But uh, being the only guy in the place with Internet in my pocket was like nerd cred like you wouldn't believe. That and I had a, it was a developer's model, because a friend of mine was a dev for uh, Palm at the time, and they put out limited edition ones that were made from clear plastic, which no one ever saw. So oh, being able to whip so out cool. one of these dev models, you know, it was like, I, I got nerd cred coming out of my ears. How's it? And then, then you're flipping the antenna up and how's it going? <laughs> Doesn't everyone have one of these? Yeah, I'm easily amused is what I'm saying. Very much so, I take it. <laughs> All right, we're going to kick you to the curb and make room for the others who are attempting to call in. Thank you for calling in, Drew. Thank And welcome to Casually Todd Corps. You're on the air. Who's calling? Greetings, Todd's at Sage here. Hey, I knew I could rely upon you to grace our earballs with your lovely, sultry tones. Oh, Dude, I was trying up? once or twice. Not a lot. Well, not a lot. No, nah, no, not too much, I suppose, really. Things going all right with you, though, Todd. It's great hear hearing you back on the air. Ah, thank you. It's... Good to be back on the air. Um, still lots of life things going on, and I just sent my wife back to Norway on Friday, so I'm still that in mourning, but, but other than that, um, you know, things, are, things proceed, much as they have yeah. this past age. Yeah, on the other hand, at least nowadays we have Skype. Here, here. Yes, which brings me nicely on to my idea for these, this call topic. Bring it. I think... The ultimate thing has to be that we've got this crazy little thing which we've all fallen in love with called the internet. You know, I remember back in the day when the internet was this bizarre thing run by the US military and we looked at it and you just thought, what on earth was that all about? Wasn't and now it's, it's just so much, it's just so much for granted and I just, I can't get over what we can do with it. Well, I was, and that's really scary. 
because it's it's everywhere now. And yeah, it's open. It is open place. It's just a matter of you know, remembering the world without it. I remember in college. Now I I was descended from BBSers. I had run a yeah, bulletin well, board so system, and you know, I'd, I'd run one for years. And so the concept of electronic mail and public message boards was already a part of my psyche. Yep. So the leap for me to electronic mail to a larger network than a single computer that you have to dial into wasn't as big of a leap that the as the average person who had never done a BBS before. It was easier for me to absorb the concept and see the potential in it. To me, it was just the next logical step. And I remember sitting at the university the, sorry. doing shell access to uh, a VAX machine and <laughs> over the phone walking my friend who was attending college in Ohio through getting signed up with a shell account on his university's VMS machine and teaching him about this thing called email. <laughs> and then from that point forward, having a regular you know, daily conversation with him, despite the fact that I chose to go to, to school in Arizona and he chose to go in Ohio, he thought this was the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it was just you know, shell text access. This was before uh, Mosaic, before web browsers. Yeah. And, but really... Back in the day, you went, did you have Gopher then? This was just as Gopher was becoming popular, yep. Yeah. I would run Gopher on the Mac clients. Um, I would go to University of Michigan's uh, InfoMac archive all the time and get uh, software releases from them. God, I remember that. InfoMac, yeah, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, so you're going with the low-hanging fruit of, yeah, the frickin' internet. It has, I mean, it has to be. It's the, it's the ultimate thing. It's, and I think it's crazy that, I mean, I know my first, my first ever introduction to the internet would have been in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was used to a very mature local community BBS, which was awesome. We had so much stuff there. There was so many people talking on it. And I went on to this univer- I went on to this internet thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And I thought, well, actually, this is kind of lame. You know, you, yeah, you've got access to all this stuff, but... There's nobody, there's no people here. Yeah, w- where is the humanity of it? So, so I very promptly went back to my BBS. Because mm-hmm, that's where the people were. For, yeah, I went back to my BBS for a couple of years and let it stew, and then it sort of started coming out in the mid, well, I guess, 93, 94. Yep. It was, uh, it was an interesting time to be a nerd. Um, yeah, it was a good time. But it's still, it's, it was a good time, but it's an even better time now. In some well, yeah, because we're, we're running I things now. I, I still sometimes have to catch my breath that I can... Well, right now I am literally listening to a radio show being streamed over the internet from America now, mm-hmm. but it was being streamed over from um, up in North Scotland. Talking to two Americans and someone lurking in the wings over the internet, watching a video stream, mm-hmm. and you know, on top of that, I'm playing Minecraft at the moment as well. <laughs> of course. Talking to people in probably about 20 different countries on IRC chat, and that's... That's just expected. It's expected, and it's taken so much for granted. I, Yet we've not really had it for that long. No, it's it's barely a blip in in the history of humanity, and yet we all take it for granted. 
and it feels normal. Yeah, and I think it's great. And even my wife gets it, which is even scarier. Yeah, that's, that's the bit where I was curious about, you know, what's, when it goes mainstream, when everyone suddenly expects it. Is yeah. when you look back and say, wait, no, I've been doing this forever, and I couldn't get anyone to listen, and now some actor you know, talked about it once on a talk show, and suddenly it's, it's the hip thing to do. It's like, wait, wait a second, that's not right. I, I feel well, that. Like, like, true, back when I was at university, I had a science series five, I think it was. Oh, wow, you can actually write your own code for those. That, well, that, yeah, I mean, this, the science series five was a lovely, lovely little machine. Um, which I mean, that's I guess that's almost a direct predecessor of a of an iPhone nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, well, because it was a really it was a multi-purpose pocket-sized computer. Yeah. Pocket-sized computer that I wore on my belt because it was too big for any pocket. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, we all, but still, the yeah. but it was belt-sized. It was it was very portable. And, and we call these things smartphones that we carry. But I've said many times on this show that the phone is the least thing that they do anymore. They are high-powered pocket computing devices. Period. I think back in 2001, I had a Sony Ericsson P800 smartphone, mm-hmm. which had Opera and various other things on it, and the UIQ operating system was a very nice implementation of a smartphone. Yep. And it just keeps evolving. It's a happy thing. Yep. All right, it's I'm a good thing. Chris to play here. Thank you for no, calling. Evolving, and then you've got iOS. <laughs> Be well. Zing. Bazinga. We will catch you later. Enjoy. Catch you later, guys. And welcome to Casually Toddcore. You're on the air. Who's calling? This is Agri-SSW. A surprise. How are you this fine day? I'm doing well. Surprised to hear the guest host you have with you. He was my emergency Nobody's... break glass. Yeah, nobody more surprised than I. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's in IRC. Help! Yeah, last-minute bagging by the co-hosts. Uh, we're not back from Prescott yet, so uh, have fun with the show. I'm going to look forward to hearing this whole thing on archives. <laughs> Never a dull moment. So do you want to do it now or later? Yes, I think I shall do it now. I shall give a lovely shout-out to my loving girlfriend, Ambrosia Hartnett. Shout-out so given. And what are your feelings on today's call-in topic? <clears throat> Technology that's kind of gone mainstream in a way. Um, that we used to, these to us nerds used to just do, and we we saw the future, saw the potential, and then suddenly everyone caught on at once. And hey, and that, and that used to be my my zone. Now I gotta go yeah, find a new kind of a kind of a side note from somebody else that mentioned about the internet, how it's evolved. Well, same thing with online gaming. So it's sort of like gaming sort of used to be a nerd niche basement mm-hmm. sort of thing, and then it's like it when it when it kind of met this thing called the internet, it just kind of blew up, and everybody started playing. It's like now you got. Five-year-olds playing Call of Duty and stuff. Yep. Well, Octale, you like, you're, you're, yeah, you're you of, much an, of an age with me of the original Warcraft orcs and humans dialing direct oh, modem yes. to modem. Oh, I was gonna go. I was gonna go all the way back to Dwango. Oh God. Whoa. That the dial the dial-up service mm-hmm. that was created for Doom. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah. See, I remember uh, when twenty-two Indi- years older thereabouts. Yep. This, this was, year, this was back when you know, games, when they had multiplayer support, you know they had their own proprietary 
you will hook parallel ports between two machines or serial ports between two machines, or you will dial from one modem on one machine to another copy of the same software on another machine, and you can play that uh, game yes. and that game only head-to-head, yep. two players. Yes, I remember that, actually, when I was uh, very young. Uh, I think the earliest time I can remember that is back during Warcraft 2. My brother actually actually had two computers at the time for a short period of time, and we actually had that big blue... That big blue cable, we hooked both computers up, yep. and we were able to play Warcraft 2 against each other. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah, I remember uh, back in back in my day because I lived out in the lived out in the sticks, and we didn't have an internet connection. It was called Hot Seat. Hot Seat. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Hot Seat multiplayer, where okay. one person would take their turn and then stand up. <laughs> Player two would come in, sit down, take their turn, stand up. Player three would come in, lather, rinse, repeat until you were out of players, then the next turn would start with player one. Kind of only works with turn-based games. Kind of only works with turn-based games. Like Civilization. Yep, Civ, well, Civ was the ultimate um, yes. example of that breed. And having played the early, the early iterations of Civ multiplayer, like simultaneous turns and all of that kind of stuff... They have come an awfully long way between Civ three and Civ five, um, with their t- with it just to take a little pocket of of multiplayer gaming, um, take that as a little pocket of multiplayer gaming. Civ five multiplayer much better um, than what it was in Civ three and or Civ four with simultaneous turns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember. The only two games that come off my head uh, that, that I played with a hot seat sort of turn-based thing was uh, is a tank tactical game. I think it was Panzer Dragoon and uh, Master of Orion. Okay. Ah, Moo. I remember Moo well. Mm-hmm. I remember the... Oh, going back to the Dreamcast again here with its modem module, which oh. was so hard to come by, and, and it was... I'm trying to think of the title. Um... Almost MMO-ish, um, space-based... God, Fantasy Star? Thank you, Fantasy Star Online. Or it, was, it, was, ah. it was just Fantasy Star then. Yes. And near the very end of the, the life of the Dreamcast, there was a really small quantity number of Ethernet adapters that you could <laughs> use to bridge it to your, uh, your ISDN or you know 640 kilobit uh, DSL at the time, if you were really quite something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they sold like made like five of those before they went out. And, you know, they stopped making the console, but right could not be had for love nor money. Yeah, th- those were all you know attempts to get to where we are now, and you just get to the point where the it, it, Americans stop paying way too much money for way too slow internet. We can really start having some seriously fun head to head stuff going on. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. But I digress. As, as the rest of the world kind of laughs at us and says, <laughs> "You paid how much for what speed?" Wow. My Andy, girlfriend still sadly has dial-up. Wow, they still make oh, that? They still make that? It's like a Betamax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I remember uh, when she try- attempted to connect to the internet shortly after I met her, she, I see her hooking up this thing. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's like, oh, i got to hook up the phone line. I'm like, oh, my uh-huh. God, I got dial-up. They still I, make this crap? And I, I, could li- I literally felt like I was in the time machine because I see her hook it up. 
I hear the connection thing. I'm like, wait, let me see if I remember the sound. And as the sound's going mm-hmm. on the computer, making the noise, I'm hearing it in my head like yep. I'm five years old again. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I still remember the sound. Yep. Yeah. See, at that point, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't be your boyfriend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Agrius is the paladin to high-speed internet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to wrap this thing up here. Oh, that is a good throwback. Thanks there. for calling Thank in, Agrius. <laughs> Thank you for sure calling thing, Casually Toddcore. All right. There's two hours of your life you just ain't getting back. Nope. You can ask for it, but we ain't giving it. I'm going to keep it in my special place. Ugh. What? Don't you have a special place? Somebody dig out the rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wake up Hicks. But anyway, as is usual, thank you to all the volunteers on Versus World Productions, especially to the all-volunteer Casually Hardcore research team who provides us all the fantastic and awesome call-in topics and ideas for things to talk about in the Nerds with Opinion segment and the Research Chaos segments. If you wish to participate in the research team, simply visit the forums at vtwproductions.com and send a personal message to me, GnomeWise, and I will get you access, uh, right access to the research board. The research board there is read-only for anyone who wishes to go in there and read the show notes and see some things that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about on the air. But if you want to be able to post there and suggest things for us to talk about, you are welcome to come join the research team and receive our praise every week. You can follow us on the Twitter. You can follow the show at Alpha Geek Radio. I am at Gnomewise. We've got an at Izzy Grail, a Daxa CH, a Gwenora, and an Iolite underscore CH. And there's a guy on the line here with me co-hosting, and he is... On at t- the Octail. Not any Octail, but the... The Octail. octail. Uh, I've recently worked out a decent way to keep Google Plus up to date, so I've got a uh, Google Plus page now for Alpha Geek Radio. You can find us there. We're also on the Facebook, Alpha Geek Radio and Casually Hardcore. Check out our sister feeds, Alpha Geek Interviews and Alpha Geek Radio, also available at alphageekradio.com. Sponsor a segment sometime. Come on over to the site and uh, click on the sponsor feed and you can buy sponsoring segments where you get to write the intro and we have to say whatever you tell us to within reason in whatever funny voice you indicate. If you've got something you need to buy from Amazon, why not take a moment to start from alphageekradio.com and use our search tool there, and whatever you buy, we get a little cut of at no extra cost to you, and it helps keep the lights on and the stream running. If you find us on Stitcher Radio, you can find us our live stream there and our episodes. If that's your preferred method of consumption, you can get it via their Stitcher app on iOS and Android. And if you find us on the iTunes, take a moment, write us a review, rate us. It helps us get visibility and new listeners. I have been GnomeWise. I've been Octail. And we the hell are out of here. Thanks for coming, Octail. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!
Happy trails.